Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 035. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, family can be one of the tricky places to apply wisdom, yet we need it so much. If the Bible is right and our actions can have an effect three or four generations down the line, then it helps to have some wisdom. How can we leave a legacy that matters? Let's find out. It's one of the most loaded words in the English language. Family. Now we all have some experience with it, however you may choose to define family. Some think of it as, you know, they think of family, they think of the nuclear family. Mother, father, children. Some think of the church family. It can be a powerful idea, for good or for bad. Some people may think of the idea of family, and they have great memories or great plans for the future and what that looks like. If that is you, then certainly be thankful. Because for some people, the idea of family is, thank God I am away from them. The very excellent theologian, George Burns, marries these two ideas very, very well. When he says, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family In another city. (laughs) Somebody say amen if that is not the truest thing I have ever put up on that screen. Either way, family is a big thing. So how do we make the best of it? How do we take those mannerisms and those quirks and those idiosyncrasies that may make George Burns' statement so true in our lives and build something around that? Build a life that is good around that. Build a legacy that is good around that. Well, here's the truth. This is going to kind of thread through all of this. Family is worth fighting for. And the Bible has a couple of things that can help us to do that well. Let's pray together. God, thank you always for the gift of your word. For how it can transform us and transform our communities even in miraculous ways, so help it to do it with us now. Amen. Well, everybody is normal until you get to know them. John Ortberg said this about individuals, about people. But the same truth applies to people gathered together, families. So we all have, and we all know people within our families that have those quirks, those mannerisms, those Things they bring up that will just drive us nuts. So, let's start off with this idea. That unless a family is getting ready to go on TV, where there are teams of people who can edit out all the bad stuff, let's just throw the idea of perfect family out the window. Ain't going to happen in 20 years. Certainly ain't going to happen in 20 minutes. Just in the book of Proverbs, we're barely going to scratch the surface of what God says, of the ink that God spilled on this topic. So if we're not going for the perfect family, what we can at least go for is creating an environment where strong relationships can develop, where people can at least love each other well, and not just survive until bedtime gets there and the kids all go to bed. I hear there is a time in life when that happens. I'm really hoping it's true. I'm sort of walking by faith, not by sight on that statement. Please let it come soon. (laughs) 
So how do we get there? Let's start off. We're going to jump through a couple of different Proverbs today. But we're going to start off in Proverbs 6. Where God says through Solomon, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that hurry to run into evil, or run to evil, a lying witness who testifies falsely, and one who sows discord in a family. What a place to start talking about family. Each of these are big ideas. And some of them will even get their own message. But Solomon uses this sober up technique to kind of wake us up. He says, you want to know how to tick God off? I know how to do it. I got the secret. You ready? Here it is. And he rattles off the list. But before I get to the point of where I'm going with all of that, we're going to play a little game today. I want you to remember this string of digits. 6309681952070701823 Now, what was the 11th digit that I mentioned? Actually, you're right. Rachel, you know the secret. What was the last digit that I mentioned? Yes, it was 3. Rachel knows that I just rattled off two of my old phone numbers and my mom's address. So that's how I know what these numbers are. Besides memory technique, science tells us that often as people, we remember the first and the last things that we hear. More so than the stuff that gets lost in the middle. And in an oral society, where things are being passed on without being written down, memory is pretty important. And so what is the last tick-God-off technique that Solomon leaves? I'm sure there was some thought that went into how he laid these out. The last one that's going to stick in everyone's mind, one that sows discord in the family. The last punch of Solomon's list. Now, I get it. There are times in family, in community, that we need to disagree out loud. But there are a few godly ways to do that. And about a million ungodly, unsmart ways to do that. So when that kind of situation comes, and we're people, this sort of stuff happens. When you're having those moments, are you you having the disagreement of that moment? Sort of one of the ideas behind doing it well. Or are you having the argument that happened 10 years ago and you're just bringing right back up because it helps you out right here and now? Are you... Listening? Or are you just waiting for your turn to yell? Are you putting words only in your mouth instead of putting them in the other person's mouth as well? These are ways to disagree, to, let's just call it what it is, to fight right, to fight well. In a way that may not erase all arguments, may not stop us from ever having a fight with our loved ones again, But at least then, if we follow these kinds of ideas, and these are, again, just scratching the surface, at least then the arguments can get somewhere. They can take us somewhere good, rather than just devolving into a mess where nothing good comes out of it. Contrast that with this idea. Somebody who maybe lives up to Solomon's warning. You ever have a family member 
or a friend who it always feels like they're just goading you, just tempting you to get into a fight with them. Like every word that spills out of their mouth is fighting words. Well, here's a little idea that can help out. Don't take the bait. To kind of tweak what I've said in the past, you cannot control what they do, what they say, but you can control your reaction to it, how you respond to it. It's, I love how Kerry Newhoff puts advice around this topic. He says, never get in a fight with a pig. You both get dirty, and the pig liked it. True as it comes. This is an important idea because that fight for unity, that fight for family, helps to set up the next idea that comes out of Proverbs 4. Solomon says, Listen, children, to a father's instruction and be attentive that you might gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and my mother's favorite, he taught me. He said to me, let your heart hold fast my words and keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This idea may be a reminder rather than something brand new. And it may even be a little bit situational. But the house, the home, family is really a hub for learning and for growing. About a week or so ago, maybe two weeks, we had the open house at East Pal. And I remember the new principal starting off his talk with talking about the spheres of influence that influence our children. This is why I say it might be, this idea might be a little bit situational. He said, there is a lot to be gained from a child being a part of a church. You learn something about worship, You learn something about scripture. You learn something about what it is like to be in community with people. There's a lot to be learned at school. There is learning how to take that faith and how it fits into the world that we live in. Among many other things, I'm very, very simplifying and I'm using my own words to kind of sum up what Mr. Robbins had said. But the third circle there, third sphere, the home, if that's missing, then our children are, are stunted in their growth. That time, as a child is developing, when they're you know, younger than Leah even, and their brains are just a sponge, think about how much they are absorbing before they even can go to a school, or before they can even walk into a church to have influence from those arenas. Even beyond information, even beyond learning cognitive knowledge, the home is the place where our children learn love, learn grace, Learn that somebody has their back. Some little corner of the world is a safe place to be. And that is home. That is among family. This is a huge thing for our children to learn. For us to be able to pass on in family. Simply ask somebody who didn't get to learn it. You'll see just how huge that is. Now let's take the, the situational bit of that and kind of expand it a bit. What about if we have older children? What if you have children my age, children that are out of the house? Well, here's a a game to play or or something that can kind of spark some interesting moments. 
Some that, while there's certainly people I would love to be able to ask this to, whether I can or not. But ask across both generations. If you could talk to your teenage self for five minutes, what would you say? What would you pass on? What, for myself, would I pass on to myself 25 years earlier? It's interesting to know what kinds of things we would say, what kinds of lessons we would share. But an important part of this is recognizing that it's not just a one-way flow. A wise person knows they can learn just as much from a seven-year-old or a 40-year-old as they can from a 70-year-old. So parents, grandparents, we can actually learn from our children and our grandchildren just in the same kind of way. And we can, from our experience, from those things we've learned that we would tell ourselves if we could talk to our younger selves, we can share with them, we can teach them. Now what about if you say to yourself, I'm not a teacher. I know many of you are, but, well, there's hope for that too. Coming out of Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous walk in integrity. Happy are the children who follow them. You don't have to write a curriculum or lesson plans to teach your children. Your day-to-day life is the lesson plan. And think about it this way. Have you ever heard somebody tell you, I hope you have kids just like you? It's scary, but it's true. Because our lives are the lesson plans that our kids see. And it is amazing what our children, what our grandchildren can pick up about what we're putting down for them. So do they see us praying? Do they see us treating strangers with respect? I know it's kind of a hokey phrase, but if you were on trial for being a Christian in their eyes, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Sometimes this even requires asking ourselves some hard questions. Think about it this way. Ask yourself this question. Would I want my son or daughter to have my marriage? Would I want them to handle money the way that I do? Would I want them to care for others the way that I do? Or to pray the way that I do? If you can ask yourself that question and answer yes, then great. Keep doing what you're doing. Prayerfully, your kids are picking up those things. Almost by osmosis, because these are the kinds of things that are more caught than taught. Do as I say, not as I do, does not fly among kids and grandkids, especially today. You'll see right through that kind of stuff. But if you ask yourself those questions, and it's kind of like, um, maybe I wouldn't quite want them to have my marriage, or to have my work ethic. Well, okay. If that's the case and you're honest about it, change it. I've said many times that we are always a work in progress. And so if we learn from our mistakes, even if we're not saying it like we do when we're asking our kids, you know, what would, what would you tell yourself as a teenager? Our kids can pick up on the fact, hey, I can learn from my mistakes. It's okay. Making a mistake, doing something wrong is not the end of the world. So this week, really easy next step. Spend time with your family. Very simple, no agenda, no, you have to specifically ask your your kids, what would you ask yourself if you were a teenager? You know, maybe that comes up fine, but give them a call, hop on Skype, go out for breakfast or coffee, whatever it is, you know, whatever proximity allows, 
But God, as I said, spilt too much ink talking about the importance of family that we wouldn't take it seriously, that we wouldn't try to fight for it. Because that is a place where everybody has a ministry. Everybody has a a chance to encourage and to help other people grow. That's the place we experience all that gives life its hope and its abundance that God promised. Fight for your family. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, we all face temptation. It can come in many forms and voices, but it has one purpose, to get us to go for something that won't do us any good. Solomon swings for the fences with the illustration he uses and gives his son on the subject, and there's plenty we can learn as well, whatever our vice might be. Find out more next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.